Uh, hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. I hope you're having a good day. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Uh, today on the podcast, uh, episode 107, I had the pleasure of having Lindsay Parsons on. Uh, she is a health coach and she is the founder of High Desert Health. Uh, we talked about a number of things as uh, basically how she found her way to becoming a health coach, uh, what work she was doing to, uh, in her school district uh, to help improve meals and basically uh yeah what she has planned for the future she's a very interesting lady lots of like she's faced a number of challenges uh, to basically come on the podcast today and just in life in general and yeah she really is amazing uh, so please sit back enjoy the podcast and yeah have a great day yes peace <laughs> Ah, hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Ooh, this is episode 107, where today I am very privileged to have, oh, Lindsay Parsons. Uh, she is a, a qualified health uh, coach. Uh, she also runs uh, High Desert Health. And yes, amongst other things, uh, she can, tell, can teach you about how your gut health is very important to one oneself how are you today milady i'm doing great thank you excellent i must ask like first question how did you come how did you start your journey into health well like most people involved in this i started with my own health issues that started years ago and you know sometimes you don't put it all together into what ultimately things become because i think slowly but surely things start to go wrong in the human body and you don't connect it all but now looking back i connect it all so you know it started with probably even as a child taking frequent antibiotics for urinary tract infections and having a lot of bloating and a lot mm. of digestive symptoms eventually being diagnosed, well, not diagnosed, but figuring out that I had lactose intolerance that came you know, later in life. Typically, it doesn't come when you're a child. And that was part of my dietary stuff, but not even just, the, but, but really only the smallest part, because I would just take the lactose digestion tablets and that would help me, but it wasn't, it wasn't everything. Mm. And years later, when I finally went off dairy, I discovered that my basically 15 years of acid reflux. And I took proton pump inhibitors, you know, like the omeprazole, Prilosec, Prevacid, that kind of stuff. I took those for um, 15 years. You're supposed to take them for no more than two weeks. <laughs> and I took them Whoa. for 15 years straight. And once I went off dairy, my acid reflux went away. So, um, so that was just part of the picture. But then um, I went through, um, infertility and then endometriosis diagnosis had an operation for that yeah. and then i still had all the bloating the digestive stuff and i finally did an elimination diet to see if that would impact it went off gluten dairy soy processed seed oils um sugar alcohol caffeine sort of everything one could go off other than you know the more extreme stuff in like the autoimmune protocol if you've ever heard of that yeah. And so when I went off gluten, dairy, and soy, I found that those three really impacted me. Uh, and that actually was after I'd been diagnosed with two, three autoimmune diseases. So one was Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is a, a, an autoimmune disease in which your body attacks your thyroid gland. Right. And 
slowly but surely will eat it away until you get none left. And then I, and another one was ITP where your body's attacking your platelet cells, which is what's in your blood and causes your blood to clot. Mm. And then the third one was, was uh, anemia, which, you know, we discovered was not just an iron deficiency anemia, but also a B12 anemia where um, your body's just not digesting B12 in the intestines. So you can't just even take a pill orally. You have to either get a shot or take a sublingual tablet to get enough B12 to have energy and, you know, not damage to your nerve endings and things like that. So all of those things and sort of the journey of figuring out and reversing those things was what got me into my health journey. And then, of course, also wanting to lose a little bit of weight after I had my son, you know, you get that baby belly and it kind of sticks with you and, you know, trying to figure out how to do that in a way that that is sustainable because, you know, dieting is so yeah. iffy like you, you do it, you gain the weight back, you try it, something else, you gain the weight back because you go back to eating how you did. And every time you do that, you just gain the weight, weight back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like this is a thing like, wow, I've got one, I've got to simply say, yeah, God, you, you have gone through the, the wars, as they say, like, just like, <laughs> uh, and like, yeah, I'm glad you kind of find your way through, like, like found your way through it because, hear me, um, like, because I think some people don't realize how that can, like, how food can really affect themselves, like how it can affect the individual on a daily basis, because people like go, yes, I want to lose weight, but they're not 100% going into what food is going to work for you. Because like for myself, for example, um, like I, when it comes to dairy, I can milk, that's no good for me, but I can have right. cookies, I can have like, I can have ice cream if it's frozen at a certain point, but as soon as it comes milky, no, I am done for the day. I have to, that, um, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> But when you like on, yes, you limited gluten, like my la- my lovely lady, uh, she has a gluten thing for herself. So all the fun stuff just says <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Now, the amazing thing, though, is that, that after all this time, like, you know, with autoimmune disease, gluten is one of the first things you want to do is taking that out. Hmm. But after all this time sort of sticking to things, I can go, I know I'm back on soy and that's okay. Mm. the dairy is just like, it's bad for me in a thousand different ways. Like I just, it just doesn't agree with me, but the gluten, and I will cheat on both of those periodically now because I've gotten my antibodies for Hashimoto's down to normal. So mm. I've effectively ended my disease when my endocrinologist said, what you can do is just wait until your gland is gone. And then we'll just give you a replacement thyroid hormone. That was what I was told to do. And, and to me, that was just completely unacceptable. The idea, I'm just going to just sit and wait for the disease process to, to take away my entire gland until I have to use fake hormones to replace it. Like, crazy. Well, yeah, no, I sometimes wonder about the medical profession. And like it's kind of like highlighted in this year, which the whole planet's going through with, it, like going through at this present time. Like there has, like the first reaction is, yeah, let it, like for yourself, it's like, let it do its work, let it win. And then, yeah, we'll resolve it that way. And now it's the rest of the world. It's like, we'll lock you, we'll lock you down, but we're not going to actually talk about healthy eating, exercise, or any of the other alternatives, which can help people at this. Oh, yeah. No, not only that, you know, we got, I got censored, you know, so I had put out right after COVID-19 hit, I had put out 
some information about some antiviral supplements that, uh, you know, just are, I would use with people for you know, to suppress viruses or to, you know, for something acute like a cold or flu. Yeah. And I made a post all about that mentioning COVID-19. Yeah. And then I was contacted by the, by the intermediary company for those supplements to say, you can't mention COVID-19 in conjunction with anything like this. Even if you put the FDA disclaimer saying, you know, this isn't intended to treat or cure disease and blah, blah, blah. No, no. I had to take the name COVID-19 off my blog post. I couldn't mention it at all. I mean, they were somebody as small as me and they were chasing after me. Oh yeah. No, like this is the thing. Um, it's been kind of a running joke for like pretty much a month after lockdown happened pretty much around the world. Uh, like if you're on YouTube, if you mention COVID-19 and like I can, like I can mention it because I'm not monetized in any way, they will like basically, that's it. They'll take, they'll demonetize it and so like suppress uh, the actual video which goes out there. So like there is, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but they are very sort of like militant on anything being said at this present time. Maybe it's because of yeah. information. I get it though. You know, I mean, I get that you want to stop the bad players. Like there's going to be bad players out there who are going to say, this is a miracle cure. You take this, you're guaranteed that, yeah. right? So, and, and when you have something as serious and as sudden and as unknown as this, right? You can't have a bunch of facts out there selling total BS. Mm. That being said, there's sort of an intermediary point between, and, and maybe it's just the mechanisms of, of, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say what really works. It doesn't work, right? If you don't have a double blind placebo controlled study, you can't say whether <laughs> a given herbal supplement and there's not going to be right for the yeah. herbal supplements for, for anything, much less COVID-19. So, so it's tough. I mean, you know, do you censor everything or do you censor some of it? Nothing. Yeah. Right. Or some of it. And then who's deciding what's legit and I mean, it is a tricky, I don't know what I would have done if I'd been in charge of the whole thing or yeah. YouTube or. Yeah, no, but like the whole thing is what I like, what the common sense things about basically keeping people healthy have been largely ignored. And look, at the beginning when look, things were a bit of a mystery, it was kind of like, okay, we don't know who it's targeting as time went by. It was like, okay pre-existing conditions, or if you're overweight, unhealthy, it's like, like it really likes these people. And look, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it or anything, but it had, it had a particular type and you just saw people who were in sports, fit, healthy, like super healthy. They was like, oh yeah, I had COVID. What, what happened to you? Or if you looked at Idris Elba, who was, Okay, he's a gentleman who is fairly in shape, but he's not like some super athlete. He seemed to walk it off, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, of course, there are those cases, right? There are people who were super fit and had, mm. were basically asymptomatic, but there were also some people like that who got, who still are, who get sick. Yeah. Now, of course, you don't know what's going on underneath, right? Like somebody might look, say, thin. But they might be what you can when you can describe a skinny fat, which uh -huh. is to say that they've got liver disease, they've got internal fat on their organs. Like you can't see necessarily somebody's sickness mm. on the outside just because they look like they're okay. So 
so you don't really know. But yes, comorbidities are super common with COVID. So mm. Yeah, like skinny fat. Like, you know, the first time I ever heard that term, I was watching The Biggest Loser. Uh, like uh, the show, like the show of fitness evil, I call it now because yeah, that's no, like, no good for anyone. But yeah, uh, when I watched that, it was like uh, they had the doctor like giving them the scan and they're going, oh yeah, this, that. I was like, okay, some people can be skinny fat, which I thought, yeah, strange. But yeah, that was, I, I got that term from the movie Fed Up where there was a family of three kids. One kid was obese and they were mm. working with that child. But when they went in and did a scan of the other children, they were skinny fat. Like they had the visceral organ fat, which is the dangerous fat. That's what changes your hormones and can, you know, cause fatty liver and that kind of thing. So that's even worse than having the fat on the outside. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I haven't seen, I've seen that fed up. I remember that documentary. It's a movie about sugar. It was one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Dr. Robert Lustig, he's been the one real warrior against sugar. You know, he's done some great studies showing how bad sugar is for like one study he did with the kids, um, with a group of kids who had one sign of metabolic syndrome, which is sort of the precursor to type two diabetes. Mm. And for 10 days, he replaced all of their sugar with other carbs, just starches, like white flour, basically, to show that even in contrast to white flour, sugar is that much worse. And in 10 days, every marker of metabolic syndrome was decreased in all the kids. So wow, that is, that is amazing because like okay, with what's going like with what's going on right now, what would you say to someone like if they went yeah, uh, I just want to improve my diet, not necessarily lose weight, just like okay, how would what would be the good starting point for them? yeah? Number one is taking out sugar, right? So that's that's the first piece. Now, if you're a sugar addict like I was, this is difficult. <laughs> So I'd recommend you start looking at some of the sugar alternatives. My favorite, especially for baking, if you like to bake yourself, is called xylitol. And it's a sugar alcohol. There's a number of sugar alcohols. There's erythritol, there's xylitol, there's mannitol and sorbitol. And then I've also heard of some new ones um, like allulose. But in any case, I use xylitol because it looks like sugar. It tastes exactly like sugar. A lot of people are going, oh, I don't like sugar substitutes. This is a sugar alcohol. This is not a sugar substitute like stevia or something. This tastes exactly like sugar. The only difference is our bodies can't digest it. It just sort of passes through mostly undigested. And so for some people, it does cause digestive upset and you don't want to have too much. So typically I'll take a recipe, I'll cut the sugar, you know, into maybe two thirds or half, and then I'll use xylitol. So, um, so that's great for baking because it replaces sugar one-to-one. It has the same body, the same, you know, taste. Then of course, for things like if you just need some drops, you could use stevia, or, or powder maybe in your beverages, that does, is gonna have the bit bitter aftertaste, of course. Um, and then there is monk fruit extract, which is, uh, doesn't have the bitter aftertaste, but is super sweet again. So you just need a tiny bit, but like I used to use drops of those in this horrible anti-inflammatory smoothie I was using. Oh, I didn't even mention my sciatica, which I just pretty much oh. am getting over, which I was been like the nightmare of the last eight months. And so I was drinking this horrid smoothie, which the the, the smell of it now alone will make me want to vomit. But it was like ginger, right? um, like raw ginger, a huge knob of it. And I was putting raw, you know, turmeric and also two tablets of the turmeric powder. And I was supposed to put in like a tablespoon of black pepper. But I, after I, you know, nearly ate my stomach lining for two days, I reduced that to a a quarter teaspoon. (laughs) 
and then apple and like some apple and some cucumber and um an alternative milk i used cashew milk and oh no 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 it wasn't milk it was yogurt i used the alternative yogurt okay yeah so anyway i would i would drink that each day and uh i can't remember why i got on the topic of my smoothie, <laughs> but it related to uh to the topic uh the original question which was yeah okay like, like, like i'm fascinated by this smoothie right now basically like i went yeah what would be the good starting point for like anyone oh yes right right right. we were talking about sugar so i was using the yeah. monk fruit drops in that to make that like mildly palatable so <laughs> right so so taking out sugar so yeah and if you don't want to bake yourself you can just look for like keto keto stuff there's the lily's chocolates are all sugar-free they have stevia and any of the keto bars or keto foods will all be good so that kind of stuff will help replace sugar for you and your body will sort of detox off of it such that you probably won't have the cravings because when you're eating sugar you're sort of feeding the bad bacteria and yeast that lives off of it and so it's like craving it for you you know it's like you've got these these bacteria these yeast that are literally going feed me feed me you can't you know it's hard to hard to not feed them yeah yeah that's the first thing and then the second thing would just be eat try to eat five servings of fruits and vegetables a day that's that's another biggie because that's where all your nutrients come from like people just don't I don't think people get enough, and honestly, I didn't before I got into all this work, get enough how important actual the nutrients in your food are for all your bodily processes. Mm. Like every enzymatic reaction, every, you know, for example, the rebuilding of a cell wall or the creation of energy or digestion of food and then the use of it for all the functions of your body. This is all dependent on the things that are in fruits and vegetables. <laughs> I mean, unless you're eating like organ meats, you know, so for the most part, people need to get these nutrients from fruits and vegetables and they don't get that. Like if you don't have those, it's slowly but surely your body's just going to start to deteriorate and it'll show up in some way or another. Mm. Each person, it deteriorates in a different way, but you got to get those fruits and vegetables. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where when it comes to food, like people have been, um, how can I speak, sold the sort of quick and easy option rather than mm -hmm. actually doing the sort of practical thing of actually preparing the meal because you think about it like okay i won't lie like there's been many a times where a microwave meal has come my way and yeah i'm feel i'm full but it's not necessarily the best thing for me if you get what i mean yeah no i mean i sometimes i'll say to my kids because you know they're kids and their father does a lot of the shopping so you know they'll eat might have a bagel for breakfast with a glass of orange juice. And then at lunch, they're just walking in and opening up a bag of chips and starting to eat. And I'm just like, okay, so you've had carbs, carbs, and carbs so far today. <laughs> like pretty much that's all you've eaten. There's, there's no protein. There's no fruits and vegetables. I'm not counting juice. Sorry. It doesn't count in my book. It's got an orange on the side of the carton. <laughs> hey, maybe fresh squeeze, but like, you know, as soon as you take all the fiber out, then you're basically just taking you know, all the sugar and mixing it with a little water and flavoring. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, sure. I wouldn't be a good smokesman for the orange juice industry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think your check is being stopped right now. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it, my payoffs have stopped. Yeah, I could hear the truck pulling up. That's like, beep, beep. Oh, that's what she said. No. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, 
so they like basically carbs, carbs, a glass of orange juice or a carton, however it goes. And yeah, do they sort of like, do you sort of sit and like manage to wrangle them down for a proper meal in the evening? Or is it just like, yeah. oh yeah, we do. We cook and we teach them to cook. All, both of my boys, my, you know, my, my 16 year old has been cooking for a few years now. He makes dinner once a week. Ah. And my 12 year old, we just started him this year cooking. So once a week, he should be making dinner tonight. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why i call a well-trained household <laughs> oh yeah I've, i'm raising nice husbands <laughs> oh, like, yeah well-trained husbands <laughs> he can cook he's good they yeah. can clean they have chores every day they know how to clean everything in this house they know every <laughs> chore they've been doing their laundry since you know they were probably about six or seven ah awesome and like when when they make a meal for the family uh, what is what does that consist of? Or is it like just like, yeah, something really? Yeah. So let's see. My son cooked on Sunday night. He made something called Haitian patties, which is, he uses puff pastry. And then it's a ground beef mixture that has um, habanero peppers and red pepper and some different stuff. And then he puts it in the puff pastry and cooks that. I just use a gluten-free tortilla on the side and eat the same stuff. And then he makes a beautiful sauce with cilantro and avocado and serrano pepper it's a you know put it all blended up in the cuisinart and that goes on top of them and then a salad on the side wow no like he can cook it's a real meal yeah. <laughs> it's a real meal yeah he can cook he's made slow cooker like pulled pork he's oh. done uh, he has his regulars he likes to make a pasta puttanesca and carbonara those are a couple of his favorites yeah uh, yeah don't don't talk to me about pulled pork or anything like that the reason why like yeah I, i'm do you have Netflix? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, have you watched Chef's Table? I think I've watched it a couple times. Yeah. No, like this season, it was all about barbecue. And I've got to say, <laughs> like they, they just opened up this lady and it was like the, the cinematography. And like I was just there literally, that's like, oh my God, trailer just played, really? like hit play. And I, like I was away. Two episodes like that. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, You're binge watching Chef Stable. Oh, no, no, no. Put it this way. I Two episodes just went so quickly. I was like, I, yeah, had to save the other two. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, no, I remember an episode of a, uh, it was it was about barbecuing. It was an entire show about barbecuing. I think they were following barbecue masters. And I remember that very distinctly. And and all the different, you know, they talk about what the real official barbecue is. You know, it's not like the thick sauces you just put on some vinegar and some salt, I think, or something like that and and pepper and that's it. Oh, yeah. And like this thing. Yeah, precisely. And it is. Um, it was a magical thing to see. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. Oh, it's a magical thing to eat. And then the cracklings. That's the other bit. Yeah, the skin. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, uh, like you see, uh, if, this is the thing. I. Every time I've come to the United States, I've been on the East Coast, uh, like mm -hmm. from Boston all the way down to Washington, like Washington D.C., Virginia, and like the whole thing is, like after watching that show, I'm going to have to make a pilgrimage to go to Austin, and it's like it's a small town outside of Austin, and yes, got to be. Yeah, yeah. I think they did they feature the Salt Lake on that one. Was that the place? I. 
can't remember. Maybe, maybe. Because I, yeah. I feel like, was it a recent episode of The Chef's Table? Yeah, it was basically. I, I think I watched that, yeah. Because yeah. we lived in Austin and we went to the Salt Lake. Oh, oh fantastic. Uh, where you got to queue outside, you get your number and everything like that, was it? I don't remember the, the exact logistics of, of eating there. And it may have changed since we lived there. It was in, let's say I did my master's at uh, University of Texas at Austin. So I was there from, I think, 90 six to eight oh ah, awesome awesome what to say oh thank you thank you for this moment it's, it's like, like that talking about that sort of small segment always makes me happy always makes me brings a smile to my face so it's like pork that magical animal oh it's like a, yes like bacon pork chops uh, and and pulled pork uh, that's all from the same animal uh, yeah it's like um, you, 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 uh, why is that? Why is that pig got two legs? You can't eat a magnificent animal like this all at once. You got to savor it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, with like, I'm like, see, I've lost my train of thought. Like, yeah. So with this, like, you started like coaching people. How did you sort mm -hmm. of like? You got certified, but what made you say, okay, I'm going to make the huge jump to like, okay, coaching people and helping people? On that so side. my previous career was in international education. So I was a study abroad advisor at the University of Georgia. And then I went back and got my doctorate in education in hopes of continuing in that career path. And then was adopting a child, was moving, had to prioritize my husband's career long, and we needed health insurance. This was prior to Obamacare passing in the US. And I ended up having to work for my father for five years in order to, well, I didn't have to work for five years, but it worked out because I got a part-time job with him, started doing HR and finance for his new company that split apart, got health insurance through him before we were able to get it on the open market and before my husband had a job that, that had benefits eventually. Mm -hmm. So anyway, from there, um, we ended up moving to Washington, D.C. And, you know, it ultimately that job ended and I did, I was just sort of doing some temp work and I started, well, I had always known I wanted to do, do something about school food wherever my son was going to school. Yeah. My older son was in school there and the food was atrocious, of course. And I happened upon a meeting of people talking about food that was just down the street from me. And I ended up writing the school board and putting the letter on the local listserv. And another mom saw it and she got in touch with me. She'd been interested in the topic. She'd been reading books and all that. And so we ended up getting together, bringing friends together. So long and short, we started a nonprofit advocating for healthier food in schools. And that was, it was called Real Food for Kids Montgomery. We had sort of modeled after Real Food for Kids that was in Virginia. Yeah. And so I did that for about five years, started, it became a full-time job for me. And I was doing that and in the course of doing that, I was um, hearing from a lot of people. So we, we would get school representatives in each school where we were doing our work, trying to get them to share the message, put it on, on a listserv for the school and you know just announce that we exist, get other parents involved and maybe even start a local wellness committee at their school. And we ended up um, hearing from a lot of people saying, oh, I'm a health coach, so I'm interested in this topic and I'd like to do some work at my school. Hmm. So I heard, I'd never heard of a health coach before then. Most people haven't heard of it. So that got me interested in the idea. And as we were sort of like, you know, about 
four and a half years or four years into it, we finally dislodged the person who was in charge of school food at, in our district, who was just, you know, I mean, you you got little, you got little um, things from her here and there, you know, she got rid of the pink milk or she, you know, agreed to turn the vending machines off a half an hour um, after, after school ended so that they wouldn't keep selling to kids after school. Yeah. Um, and, you know, stop selling the sodas and all that stuff during the school day. And anyway, so there were little bits and pieces we got along the way. But when you have somebody in the position of the director of food nutrition services who is not on board with what you're doing, then it's just really hard to make big changes. We're like, we wanted back to scratch cooking kind of like real big changes. Mm. So anyway, finally, she was dislodged and moved to a different position and someone else was hired who was much more on board with what we were doing. Although still had to fight the institution. Like, I mean, just to reduce pizza in elementary school from twice to once a week was like, she said, this was, you know, six months in the, in the making to, you know, convince the, the, you know, cafeteria managers at every school that such a thing was even possible. <laughs> right. Really? Like just to like from two to one, like once a week, uh, because yeah. was it, what did they cite as the reason? Well, because obviously you get sales when you get popular food. So if you're going to, if you have to have a certain amount of sales to even justify the two or three employees you have at your school and your sales drop, then, you know, all of a sudden you can't have those employees. And now you're trying yeah. to feed 300 kids in the space of an hour with only two employees. So, I mean, I get that there were pressures like that. So having to make sure that there were other things offered that were, and, and of course, you know, pizza was just a symbolic victory in some sense. Like a lot of parents really cared about, like, I don't want to see pizza on the menu, like every, you know, twice a week or yeah. three times a week. But, you know, if it wasn't pizza, it was something else that was exactly like pizza, just sort of turned inside out. So it might be like the pizza pocket, or it might be like, you know, the quesadilla with tomato sauce, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah, yeah. it's just like, it's just, it's just repackaged peach packaged pizza, no matter how you spin yeah. it, but at least it wasn't called pizza. I guess that made the parents feel better. That was, that was never my big priority. My big priority was the sugar because the breakfasts were like an atrocity. It was like, you could have a breakfast that consisted of a chocolate milk, um, a thing of juice that would count as one of the servings of fruits and vegetables <laughs> and a bag of craisins that alone had four and a half teaspoons of sugar in them and then a cinnamon roll. Yep. So altogether, that one breakfast had more than the amount of sugar a child should have had in an entire day, according to the American Heart Association. And ultimately, when we passed the, um, the new food guidelines, you know, where they said no more than 10% of calories should come from added sugar in the U.S., then that also, you know, way surpassed it just in that breakfast. And just dislodging a breakfast like that, like that was, that was not dual. That didn't happen on my watch. Wow. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask, what is a craisin? Because like, yeah, I think. Oh, it's a, it's a cranberry. Right. It's just a dried cranberry. And the thing is you have to add a lot of sugar to make it even palatable. So in theory, you're not supposed to be able to add sugar to dried fruit. Like you can't have add sugar to the dried, to, to the raisins, for example. But the, if it, the, you know, ocean spray or whatever company was advocating, obviously they're the only cranberry seller in the U S of any size. So ocean spray clearly advocated at the level of the change to the nutrition standards for the schools and said, well, well how about you can add 
you can add sugar to palatability. It's like, really, do you really need four and a half teaspoons to make it palatable? I, I think you probably could have shot, you know, and, and the packet, mind you, is like not even an ounce. It's like three quarters of an ounce or something. It's a ridiculously small packet too that's, that's you know, filled with these four and a half teaspoons of sugar. Not <laughs> I sometimes wonder about like school meals, like because like this is the thing. When I was in school, like many, many moons ago, it, even though it doesn't look like it, that's what you meant to say. Oh no, no, <laughs> many moons ago, like um, when I was in sort of like senior school, which is like the equivalent of junior high, high school at mm-hmm. in the states, like. The f- when they first started doing the meals, it was like, yes, um, it was like pretty much meals in a bag. And like, I was like, uh, no, <laughs> no. And basically parents complained and it was like, yeah, a proper sort of sit down meal. Um, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there may have been like, you could get chips on most days, but it wasn't sort of like, okay. It was a decent meal for uh, about, a, I was going to say a dollar 25, like, to make it in your sort of like coinage. Right, right. No, I mean, they have a ridiculously small amount of money to produce these meals with. That's that's absolutely true. They yeah. have, yeah, buck 30, something like that for including the milk, you know, for the entire thing. Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy to me that like, okay, for the money, like a school canteen, like falls together, you can do a lot with a single dollar if you're going to a wholesaler, so I go, yes, this is what you can get for a dollar or two dollars or three dollars and serving that up. Yeah. Admittedly, there's some foods which kids were like, oh, I will not eat that for love, money or toffee. But- right. Well, they're kind of trained, though. Right. So it's like they're not born preferring pizza. <laughs> they're <laughs> trained to prefer pizza. And a lot of the kids in our district were from immigrant backgrounds. They had their, I mean, there was a lot of Ethiopian kids. Mm. There was a lot of Somalians. There was a lot of uh, El Salvadorians. They had their native foods that they were perfectly happy to eat. Uh, And if those had shown up on the menu, they would have completely eaten them. They were not addicted to, you know, they, they would come to school and learn to eat those, those typical American junk foods yeah, and, or kid foods, whatever you want to call it, burgers and pizza and, and that kind of stuff. And then after that, they wouldn't even want to eat their native food anymore. So it was like the schools were not just not educating them on, on proper nutrition. They were doing the opposite. They were uneducating them. They were training them for bad nutrition. And I'll tell you, we didn't, what, what finally really brought about some changes was, we, you know, we tried for, for a while to get some legislation passed. We went to the state legislature in Maryland and, you know, right where we were at the point of, you know, passing something, it was like, they would come in and lobby against us and, and get the Republicans on board and they would always, you know, quash anything we were trying to do. So finally I gave up on that and we just made a, uh, fortunately we had this whole system in Maryland where there were, uh, there were only, I think it was 24 school districts in the entire state because it was just by county, whereas there could, there can be states in the U.S. that have 150 or 300 school districts. So there it would have been un- impractical. Well, we only had 24. So we started a school food environment grades with a coalition of organizations in Maryland, and we started raiding the schools. And of course, our district, which was Montgomery County, and it was the most prestigious district, it was one of the best school districts in the country, they of course wanted to be on top and they came out, I think on the first ones with a C plus as their school food grade. 
And so that was, of course, completely unacceptable. The second year, I think they got a B minus. Well, that was when we finally dislodged the director for nutrition <laughs> services. And, and, but that, you know, that continues. And now the state is like slowly but surely improving. That was why they moved to only once a week pizza, because we stuck that right on there. We said, you know, that was literally one of the criteria that variety had to be, you know, of the 12 criteria we had, variety was one of them. There was like farm to school, there was reducing sugar, there was getting rid of the artificial colors and, um, you know, harmful ingredients, artificial colors and flavors, on and on. So salad bars, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, but all this you had asked me about health coaching and I've gone on a big tangent. Long and short, I, I decided to get out of the, once I felt like I'd done my job and I, we had a good person in place and, you know, we were really in the, doing some good changes. My husband wanted to move out West and be by the mountains. That was finally when we decided to move by the way, this was outside of DC, all that. Yeah. And so then we, we finally decided to move and I, I needed to find a new career. And I've always been interested in, you know, helping people and teaching people. I was, a, you know, I was a teacher before that was one of my first careers. I was a French and Spanish teacher. And so I ended up, um, you know, taking a health coaching course, getting certified. And, you know, I had worked with a friend too. She was, she was addicted. She was, you know, had a binge eating disorder in like three weeks. I got her to get off of that. You know, she would go into fast food restaurants and just like keep eating until the food literally was forced to coming back up because there was no more room. Mm. And so I got her off of that in, in like three weeks. And so that really inspired me, like, like coaching people would be this cool, fun thing. So. Yeah. No, like this is big. Wow. Like, so like sort of to touch base with what, what the work you were doing in like Maryland, like it's a case of, I don't understand how they can expect kids to sort of concentrate. Look, when you're talking about doughy, greasy food, look, you, look, you know, like everyone knows from Thanksgiving or anything like this, how productive are you after you've had a sort of help, like, not a healthy meal, but a greasy, fat, heavy, like sort of doughy meal. Yeah. You're not going to be there for right. the, the day. And I, it's, that's quite crazy to me. But at least yeah. got that person dislodged, I would say. Right. Yeah. It, well, fortunately, they had, you couldn't deep fry stuff, although you could like deep fry it in the factory and then just bake it once you got to, if like French fries, for example. But, but they were ahead to, they took the deep fryers out. So it wasn't so super heavy fatty meals, but yes, you often heard about kids complaining about stomach upset after eating the food. And at, mm -hmm. to some extent, you know, some of that may have been related to the food it was. It may have been related to just the fact that you're reheating a lot of food and sometimes you get, you get a little bit of foodborne illness kind of stuff. So sometimes that would happen too, but you know, for the most part, they did their, they did their best to make sure there was, it was, it was error proof, you know, which is one of the reasons they don't like to do scratch cooking is because if you have raw meats at, at every individual school and you have 193 schools, then it's a lot harder to, or it was maybe it was 123, it's a lot harder to monitor all of those schools and their practices. But yes, having kids get, you know, there's all sorts of studies out there showing that kids concentrate better. For example, when you get rid of the artificial colors, which we did succeed in doing before, before I left, they had gotten rid of all of those, you know, the blue number ones and the, all the things that in the UK and, and the European Union are now at least have to be legal labeled, I think. So, uh, which means they've essentially taken them out of everything because once you have to label something, then, you know, label something as, as a front front warning label that then it's gone, you know, yeah, that's an effective way to get rid of something. So that stuff is still in, in a lot of products in the U S 
Yes, um, we have a suite called a Smarty. Uh, it's basically like an M&M. And mm. it was uh, for, it, it took, there was a time where it, the blue ones all disappeared. Same thing, like they did that in, with the M&Ms over here as well. And it took a long time for the blue ones to sort of come back. I think it was like they had to- To find an, uh, an alternative to- yeah. Yeah, no, I actually had this whole conversation with this. They they would sell these, you know, they of course had to have a certain number of servings of fruits and vegetables because there had been some standards passed. So instead of actual fruits and vegetables, they could use juice. And then of course they could use juice that was frozen, which then just became like a little, you know, essentially what I'd consider a dessert. You know, it's a frozen juice thing. Yeah. So, but it was hundred percent juice, except for the fact that there was food dyes in a lot of the colors. And so I called up the company and I said, would you please replace the food dyes with something natural? And he said, well, we can't find a replacement for the green color. Like we can't find anything in nature that's green, for example. No, not, you know what, I haven't been, no, no. There's there's nothing out there that's green, right? No, no, nothing like trees, grass. No, no, nothing like that. Vegetables, you know, chlorophyll, nothing at all. No, no, no. Green's a very rare color. You've got to remember this. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, do you still like you like you mentioned earlier in the conversation that health coach not a lot of people know what knew what that was has that changed or is that still like a running theme you find I think that that's still a running theme so people find me through my podcast the perfect stool understanding and healing the gut microbiome and yeah. so they know that I do gut health coaching that sort of thing but when people are like, for example, I have been, there's a service where you can get leads for potential clients. And I just signed up for, you know, one set of credits just to see how it worked. And everybody's looking for a nutritionist or a dietitian, mm. And they think that that's what they need. Uh, and, and some of them may, you know, some of them may need like the really clinically closely monitored diet because they've got a very serious health condition. Sure. But if you just run at the mill and need to lose weight, you probably need a health coach because you need somebody who's going to help you with behavior change. And that is much more like most people know what a healthy diet is, right? Like, I don't think that not eating sugar and eating five servings of fruits and vegetables a day is a real revelation, (laughs) right? Like those, I think most people probably have heard that out there. They realize that burgers and fries and pizza are not health foods or that dessert is not good for you. Like this is not a revelation. The problem is most people can't actually do anything about it. You know, they just don't have the willpower or the, or they're, they have some deeper questions. Like, you know, they get the basics, but you know, they don't know the deeper questions. Like is a keto diet better or is a paleo diet or should I be vegan or, you know, things like that. And Mm. of course everybody has a different opinion and you can probably lose weight on a number of those things, but you can, you know, really the tricky part is, is can you lose weight in a sustainable way and keep eating that way for the rest of your life? Because it doesn't help. Like if you go on a keto diet, for example, which I did for a month just to, while well, I was doing some treatment for candida in my gut, but can you do that for the rest of your life? Like, are you prepared to never again for the rest of your life on any regular basis, eat anything resembling a carbohydrate other than vegetable or, or some of the you know low sugar fruits? Because most people aren't willing to make that sort of commitment for life. So if that's what it takes for you to lose weight, then you're really not doing it in a sustainable way. So I train people to do it in a sustainable way. Like, mm. let's talk about how you can eat for the rest of your life. Yeah. And like, this is the thing I would say with a lot of the diets you mentioned and everything like this, like people can lose weight on all of these diets 
Um, oh, yeah. But it just comes down to you've got to make sure you can manage that sort of calorie deficit, which people just like, it's like, right, if you're eating a thousand calories of like one, like a, a healthy food, it's healthy, but it's still a thousand calories to like say a donut, but it's a case of it'll fill you up a lot more and you can take things forward from there. But if you want to lose the weight, you must cut back on something. You can lose weight on very bad food, but you can lose weight. It's not ideal, but you can lose weight. You probably could. Yeah. Yeah. But you'll have to, you'll have to cut your calories. Like you said, you'll have to cut your calories on the bad food and you'll feel uh, hungry a lot of the time, or you can not cut your calories and just change the composition of what you're eating, still lose weight and you won't feel hungry. Mm. And that's what I teach people how to do. Excellent. Like, ah, awesome. Awesome. So you'll be like, you can say in some regards, you are a bit like a life coach as well. It like coach like. Yeah. yeah, there was a life coaching certification. I never quite finished that part because I realized that if I were life coaching, it could take me in a thousand different directions. I'd have to figure that out and remarket all that and too much. So, so, but yes, when we do the health coaching, we cover, you know, what other areas of your life are there deficits in? Because sometimes that's why, you know, you don't have the relationship you want. You don't have the um, job you want. You don't spend the time doing creative things or really doing things that are your passions yeah. or you have a source of stress in your life. There's a lot of other reasons why people gain weight. So we, uh, you know, we address all those reasons as well when I do a, you know, a weight loss type program. Uh, and so it is life coaching too. Yeah. Ah, perfect. Perfect. You mentioned your podcast, like what, like what type of people do you get on your podcast on a sort of a day-to-day basis? So every other podcast, I just talk about a topic myself. And then every other podcast I have a guest on mm-hmm. and I have had practitioners who do gut health stuff, different types of, you know, like a, I've had MDs, I've had um, naturopaths more than, and I've had PharmDs and I have had researchers um, who do gut health research. And then I've had patients who do fecal, who have done fecal transplants. And that's something that's actually in the UK, you can get at a clinic for a lot of different conditions. But in the US, the only condition you can get a fecal transplant for from a doctor is recurrent C. difficile infection, which is a really, you know, terrible bacteria that causes like explosive diarrhea until you're, you know, (laughs) there's nothing left in your body. And then, you know, you can even die from it. So that's the only thing you can get a, a, pro- a proper, you know, clinically done fecal transplant. So a lot of people in the U.S. are doing it themselves. So I've interviewed a good number of those people for, who have done it for other conditions like ulcerative colitis or SIBO or small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Uh-huh. So what would you say was one of the things you surprised you you learned while you were doing podcasting? Hmm. Surprised me. Well, I guess the thing that most surprised me was that once my podcast just got a little bit popular, I started getting a lot of people reaching out to be on my podcast. So I didn't have to even, I haven't gone out and sought after a guest at least, I feel like it's been a year. 
and I'm getting, I, you know, you get a lot of requests of people that are just completely off topic, but I get a lot of really good requests when mm. people I've heard on other people's podcasts. And I thought, oh, I ought to have that person on my podcast. And then they just, their PR people reach out to me. So it's been nice. I haven't had to work that hard to find good guests. Superb, superb. And like, I have to ask, what would be like in 2021, the year of hope. <laughs> it's definitely going to be a better year for me. <laughs> well, yes. Well, put it this way. Change of president. Like, yeah. Lots of things happening. To say the least. Yes. And my sciatica being gone. That's that's going to be the miracle. Uh, I'm like, sure. I've been a near invalid for eight months. So. Oh, damn. Like, well, yeah, it's been really bad. I have my fingers crossed for you. And like, yes, I wish you a speedy recovery. Uh, yeah. Thanks. No worries. Uh, what do you have any sort of long term plans for 2021 or like 2022? Or is it just like you're playing it by air? What is it? You know, it's funny. I told my husband I want to do like this goal setting because I listened to this podcast and, and it's all about the goal setting. They have a goal setting retreat. I'm like, we need to sit down and like really think big because, you know, we really had to think big to make this move from DC to quit my job to, yeah. oh, hey, my husband's a podcaster too. So, you know, we're, we're not exactly super employed, you know, we're kind of underemployed the both of us in a sense. And so when you're making a move across country to start a new career and your husband's doing podcasting, which is not a terribly lucrative profession, you, no. you have to really sit down, think big and make some, take some real chances and plan ahead. And, but that being said, I, I, I completely live in the moment. Like if you ask me what's happening, what's on your schedule tomorrow, I haven't the vaguest idea. I'll know tonight at like 11, I'll look at my phone and I'll see what's on my schedule for tomorrow. <laughs> I can barely plan a week in advance, much less two years in advance. So, so next year, I'll probably keep doing the same thing I'm doing. I hope just to keep doing more and more gut health coaching because I love that. You know, I love solving, helping people solve their gut health problems. You know, I just had a guy yesterday, I, one of my clients talked to him and he was saying how much better, I mean, he was having, you know, he was having nausea and like these horrible migraines. He'd have to go to the hospital. He would have this like, you know, acid reflux, migraine, nausea, just like horrible feeling and had to go to the hospital on a regular basis just to get like this cocktail of medicines to knock it out. And he was like, I've been feeling so much better. I haven't, and haven't had a migraine in like, you know, four weeks now, and just, it, it's so fun to help people get to that place. No, no, that is superb. Like, yeah, one, another sort of, uh, how can I say, another sort of casualty of the, like, prescription first mentality, rather than the sort of like, yes, is there another remedy type situation? But, Oh, yeah, yeah, no. So I mean, what I do is just I, you know, I educate people about, you know, they, they can go get order their own lab tests, I educate them on what those results mean. And then they can order herbal medicines, I educate them on the kind of protocols that practitioners are using to deal with these problems. And yeah, it's going great. I'm loving it. <laughs> like, do you foresee another move uh, in your guys future? Oh, is it? No. We've moved about every five or six years since we've been married. And that's been like, we're coming on 24 or five years this year. Wow. So I said to my husband, this is it. Like 
pick well. He was a military brat. So he's got that, you know, every time he's always wanting to keep on the move. So I said, pick well, because this is it. Like, I'm not moving again. <laughs> every five years, like have to restart making friends. Like this is not an overnight process. Yeah. Making friends takes a while. I don't want to restart that every five years. And getting, I mean, you get, you get entrenched in your community. You start an interesting work. Everybody knows you. You know what you're doing. You're just like, I was so deep involved in my last community. And so it's like, you start over completely. Yeah. And like, this is the thing. You were involved in the project, which you were very passionate about. And yeah. okay, so if you would get, uh, it seemed like just as you're making progress, you're like, got to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately I did feel like, I kind of felt like I'd done my job, you know, like I, it, we had, we had done some, some great stuff and then we knew that there was a solid future ahead. So I felt like I could leave that. Excellent. Excellent. Because you like the way you guys have been moving, it's a case of you moved across country you know like doing sort of yeah it was a big move yeah no we'd never lived out west before and my husband had always dreamed of being by the mountains and so I had to give him that you know <laughs> that was a concern and he hikes like every other morning he's out on the mountain hiking as his exercise nice. like he gets up and does like a very you know strenuous uphill hike hangs out at the top of a mountain looks around gets happy comes down and like he's just a happier person all around because of it uh -huh. He loves that. He just loves nature and being out and animals and that kind of stuff. His his podcast is about climate change. Right. Ah, okay. Awesome. Uh, do you go out with him or is it just a case of go have your fun? I'll see you when you're I, I, You know what? I was actually thinking this morning, like, mind you, I only took a walk around the block yeah. the second time since July yesterday. Like, that's how bad my sciatic has been. I couldn't even walk, essentially. So... Hiking was far out of question, but I actually was thinking this morning, like, I wonder if I could go on his hike with him. Like, I hate walking uphill and it's not like my thing, Yeah. but just to be able to, like to have an able body. I mean, I can not, not to say that I can really truly empathize with somebody who's had a lifelong disability, but just every time my kids would be like, I don't want to do my chores. I'm like, if I had an able body and I could just get up and do that, how happy I would be mm. just to have that able body and to be able to do it. Like you don't appreciate what you have, you know, now I fully like I'm, I walk out of the house and I'm like, there's no pain. I can't believe I'm walking without pain. This is the first time in eight months and I'm just jumping for joy. So yes, maybe I will go on his lousy hike, his <laughs> miserable uphill for 20 minutes, super strenuous, unpleasant hike. I will probably do it just because I can. Ah, you Let's should, see. you should. I should. Yeah. Because like, look, this is the thing that. You, as you say, you don't, you never appreciate these things until they've gone. And like, oh, exactly. Yeah, like if you, like if you can do a five mile hike up a mountain, do it. I say, like, yeah, it. really enjoy the fruit of it all, and yeah, have an awesome time doing it. Or if not, just like complain about it with a smile on your face that you are doing it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm doing it. The fact that I can do it is just yeah. the important thing. Yes. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. I've got to reveal that, yes, I'm a being of supreme cosmic power. Uh, yeah. I can grant you one wish, but only one wish. You can't wish for world peace. You can't write down on a list of, like, a list of different things and go, I'd like the whole of this list to be completed. Now, if I can make one wish come true for you, what would that be? Hmm. 
I don't know if this counts as one, like good health for the rest of my life for me and my family. Is that? You know what? I'll let you have that. Good health okay. for you and the rest of your family. No worries. Yes, for the rest of your days. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, it, it could not be more true. When you don't have your health, you have nothing, mm. literally. Like when I was not able to walk and I was in pain all day, I mean, I had never in my life ever, ever entertain, entertained a suicidal thought. But when I was in the worst throes of my sciatica, I mm. thought if I knew this were to go on forever, I wouldn't want to live. And there are people in my sciatica Facebook group who said, I've had sciatica for 13 years or 16 years. Jeez. I'm like, I don't know how you literally are still here because that kind of pain, it's like the seventh circle of hell. Like if you, you can't even imagine how bad it is. Uh, no, I like it. No, I, that's no, like, I'm speechless with that because yeah, no, I don't want to know. Uh, but yes, yeah, <laughs> you don't know. But what I would simply say is like, yeah, that fully recovered when you're like back on it. And what I would simply say there, I have like, I interviewed a gentleman named Colin who like, he's uh, my man out in China at this present time, every like for his birthday, what he does, he runs the amount of miles of his age and yeah, he, I think 48 now. Maybe. That's getting progressively harder because you get yeah. older and more miles. Yeah. So basically he just does them. I would say if you can say like, don't, I'm not telling you to run 48 miles, but like, if you can say, do like get a phone or an app and just do that number of steps in your birthday month, like to match your age. So like, yeah, so yeah. If you're like, 20 like 21 as i can see there like just walk 21,000 steps in that month or on that day and yeah take it from there but something to sort of celebrate your new sort of found fitness and yeah embrace and enjoy that joy indeed oh well, i have to get going because i have got a doctor's appointment <laughs> yeah no no like uh yes we have come to the end uh yes but yeah can you tell the people how they can find you uh, so you can go to highdeserthealthcoaching.com or you can just Google, if you're interested in the podcast, you can just Google the perfect stool, understanding and healing the gut microbiome, but you'll probably get away with just the perfect stool. And you can find me on all the normal podcast players and yeah. And, and the, my website has all the information on different types of coaching. I also help people reverse autoimmune disease naturally. So like I did with my Hashimoto's and my ITP. So Yeah. Excellent. Lindsay, thank you for coming on today. You have been- Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. Ah, fantastic. I'd like to also say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors out there for staying, listening, watching. It's great. Please stay well, stay healthy, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic, be all the positive bees you can be in this world, and then some. Hey, peace. Aha, and we are...